This episode is sponsored by Heptama Research, an international peer-reviewed gold open access, continuously published online academic journal founded by OAE Publishing Inc. The journal aims to provide an academic exchange platform focusing on all topics of liver cancer and its related diseases through publications, video abstracts, webinars and interviews. ILCA is today the world's leading and most important multidisciplinary society tackling liver cancer. ILCA. Hello, everybody. I am Cristina Dopazo, consultant surgeon in the Department of HPV Surgery and Transplant in Hospital Valdebron, Barcelona. Hi, I'm Taizo Hebe, an HPV and transplant surgeon uh, located in Kumamoto University. Department of Pediatric Surgery and Transplantation. It's a great pleasure to participate in today's ILCA podcast. It will be about a paper who was published by my team in Patoma Research about liver transplantation for perihelial colangiocarcinoma. Do we need to move forward? We're going to discuss along this podcast different topics. Let's start for the worldwide application of the Mayo Clinic protocol. The Mayo Clinic developed a new concept of neoadjuvant chemoradiation combined with liver transplantation, and they published their first results in 2000. Maybe we can say that the transplant oncology started then. The protocol and inclusion criteria have evolved in the last years, and they published their recently the largest sequential series between 1993 and 2008, uh, 211 patients underwent liver transplantation with five-year overall survival around 58%. This was a very outstanding result, I have to say. However, its clinical application differs from America. I can say that most papers come from America. Europe, there is very few experience in Europe, maybe in Ireland, in Spain, we have few cases transplanted with this protocol. However, in Asian centers, this was not, I think, uh, so we can talk about that. There was not protocol, Mayo Clinic protocol. So I would like to ask you, why is that? Right. So um, starting from um, Asian centers, basically, as we, as we all know, Japanese, particularly Japanese surgeons are so fanatic about um, resecting all those uh, perihylocholangials and uh, very little, if any, um, momentum to, uh, to, go for, um, to go for a liver transplant to begin with. So there's the position of, of Japanese surgeons at the moment. But um, so um, I'm very happy to announce that um, our um, multi-center prospective trial, living during liver transplant for unresectable perihylocholangial carcinoma is about to start in Japan. Well, we have 10 participating centers and we're going to have a lot of um, um, so-called um, expert centers um, on resection for perihylocholangials to, to actually recruit uh, patients who are um, deemed um, unresectable at their centers. And then uh, we're going to decide uh, based on a central review if, uh, if the patients really um, are unresectable and they are, are they fit for liver transplant. So, so that's something go, uh, going on right now in Japan. And I think um, because the way that we uh, that Japanese surgeons resect those perihylocholangials, they do all sorts of like um, combined um, vascular resections, um, adding um, a pancreatoduodenectomy, and they have uh, so um, meticulously they do this systematic lymph node dissections. So I, I think there are a lot of differences in how we resect perihylocholangials. So uh, one of the big topic, at least from the uh, the Japanese side or the, or Asian side, is that. Uh, what is the definition of unresectable? 
So that that is something uh, we probably need need to keep an eye on for quite a bit of time. That's my opinion. And then um, the results, uh, even from the uh, North American centers, we all also know that there are differences um, in outcomes. So not all centers were successful to reproduce Mayo, the outcomes of Mayo clinics. So, so that is something we, ha- we also have to think about. Uh, there, are, there are certain um, uh, center variants. We also uh, we, we published this, um, and I think it was a few years ago. So these are the things that we, we need to uh, keep discussing. Uh, what is the definition of unresectable and how to overcome those center variances? That, that, that's my opinion. Completely agree. Uh, let's go for the next uh, topic about the patient selection. We already know that the inclusion criteria for the Mayo Protocol requires at least one of the following. Endoscopic intraluminal brushings or tissue biopsy positive for perihaleocolagiocarcinoma or mass on imaging with a malignant structure on colangiography with or without uh, high tumoral markers or biliary ployed by fish with malignant structure on colangiography. The protocol excludes patients with more than 3 cm tumor size with intrahepatic metastasis, lymph node metastasis, gallbladder involvement, or intrahepatic colangiocarcinoma. So one controversial issue is the lack of tissue-confirmed uh, perihaleocolangiocarcinoma to be included in the protocol. This could be a handicap because maybe we can include patients with benign disease, as you said, Taiso, for the reason maybe the results are not the same in different centers, or even the oncologist could be reticent to include patients without biopsy uh, positive for perihaleum colangiocarcinoma. But we know that conventional RCP, uh, together with a standard parasitology or biopsy, is the most used technique for its diagnosis. However, it's well known that its sensitivity is less than 60%. And plus, fish will reach at least 70% with a high false negative. This is a great handicap, and since it delays diagnosing and treating patients with suspected pericardiocarcinoma. So, how can we improve treatment, diagnostic tools for include those patients in, in the Mayo Clinic protocol? You know, you're in, in your center or in your protocol, in Japanese protocol, you include biopsy confirmatory for pericardiocarcinoma, for example? Thank you. I think this is also a very important question. Our protocol demands um, either um, biopsy confirmed or uh, cytology positive uh, cases. Uh, those are the only ones uh, we can um, we can go ahead and, and transplant. So if we don't have confirmed diagnosis of uh, malignancy, those patients will, uh, cannot uh, be recruited for um, liver transplant. I think uh, you have uh, beautifully discussed this issue in your paper. Um, saying that um, actually Mayo Clinic has already um, investigated if uh, if we really need this um, tissue uh, biopsy and uh, confirmation of malignancy. The conclusion was that uh, we probably do not need malignant um, confirmation of, of malignancy, which is actually the case for resectable perihalocolangios uh, as well. Actually, about like um, around like uh, up to five percent of those uh, resected cases, they turn out to be uh, uh, there's no um, malignancy. So. If liver transplant becomes a routine procedure for unresectable uh, perihalocolangios, then we might not need um, confirmation of uh, malignancy, as is the case in the, in, in the U.S. But um, if we're doing this in, in a clinical trial setting, I, I think uh, we should better have this uh, confirmation of malignancy. And hopefully um, in the future, we have more uh, knowledge and, and techniques to, to detect the, uh, these uh, circulating free DNAs 
And then um, uh, we really do not know what uh, this means at the moment, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll accumulate more experience in searching for these um, s- uh, circulating free DNAs and put them in the context of in the, um, the, the whole diagnostic workup. I think that that's the, the, the way we're go- going. Yeah, you're right. The next uh, topic is the chemoradiotherapy. We know that the current protocol, Mayo protocol, has already 20 years, we have to say. It's based a lower radiation dose of external beam radiation therapy uh, with 5-fluoracil infusion for three weeks plus brachytherapy. And afterwards, the patient receives uh, oral capacitabine maintenance until transplantation. But we already know, know that cisplatin and gencitabine became the first line standard of care following the results of the ABC02 study published in 2010 uh, for patients with unresectable biliary tract tumors. And even its efficacy was corroborated in a Japanese population in the B222 study. We have very few experience in, with this regimen in liver transplantation for perihelion cholangiocarcinoma. Uh, the Toronto group includes 18 patients with uh, uh, chemoradiation following gencitabine. ITO from the USCLA uh, University published their series, including intrahepatic and perihelion cholangiocarcinoma, using SBRT and cisgencitabine, uh, with very good results also. And Abdel Rahim uh, from Houston, they published also one series with very few patients, including also intrahepatic and perihelion using cisgencitabine with no radiation, with excellent outcomes. So next, the question, should we move forward? Maybe the Mayo Clinic protocol is, uh, we should change or move on in this protocol, Taiso? Right, well... Actually, I can't agree more. Um, we all know that um, chemotherapy, um, as well as in radiotherapy, they, they continue to evolve, and we probably need to look for um, a much better uh, neoadjuvant therapy. Um, we really do not know if we know that um, neoadjuvant therapy itself um, is a must. Um, this is something that, uh, uh, that was the game changer of the, of the whole idea of transplanting uh, liver um, performing liver transplant for um, unresectable perihelicolangials. As you mentioned, um, GEMSYS um, is now the mainstay of treatment for unresectable cases um, in, in clinical practice. And then on top of that, uh, we also have the, the results of a TOPAS-1 trial. Um, so we, we, we now have GEMSYS, and then um, combined with Durvalmab, um, that um, is um, immune checkpoint inhibitor. So that's going to be somewhat troublesome if we're, if we're thinking liver transplant. These are the things that we have to um, consider. Um, so, as um, chemo, um, as all as we have all those agents on board, we probably do not um, have enough number of patients to to like um, go for like three trial uh, comparing those um, different um, types of uh, neoadjuvant chemotherapy uh, before liver transplant. We'll, we'll never be able to do that. So, I think. Uh, we we probably need to um, keep modifying the new measurement protocol. And uh, one thing I'm very curious is that if we really need uh, radiation, so radiation is basically for local control, which Japanese surgeons believe that uh, we can um, get some of the local control by this uh, meticulous um, systematic lymph node dissection. And uh, I really do not if um, chemotherapy should be enough or if we should add um, radiotherapy. So this is something I really I'm curious about, um, and it's difficult. It, it 
we probably won't have like um, be able to conduct a um, randomized trial by um, adding um, with or without radiotherapy. So th- I think this should be done I mean, in a single arm setting. And then we, we then afterwards, we, we probably should uh, compare those results and, and then think about if we, uh, if, uh, we should go for um, chemo radiation or chemotherapy alone should be enough. That's my idea. Yeah, completely agree. And maybe because of the, the morbidity associated with radiotherapy in, from uh, the vascular setting. So one interesting concept that I would like to discuss with you is the anestaging therapy. No, if we should include those patients with uh, positive lymph nodes in the beginning, or with tumor size more than three centimeters, in the context of this more effective uh, chemotherapy, if after uh, chemotherapy the lymph nodes are negative, or even the tumor doesn't increase in size, or there is not a, a spread disease, we should increase these patients for a transplant? Right. I fully agree. I think um, because of the, the the great success of Mayo Clinic um, protocol, I think uh, we should um, go for the next stage uh, where we probably need to th- um, consider downs- um, um, trans- um, going for a liver transplant for uh, those downstage patients. So if those positive lymph nodes turns negative after a lo- um, um, long-term um, chemo- chemotherapy um, and then may- may- maybe radiation, um, those patients m- might also be a, a candidate for a liver transplant. And about the size, you also mentioned this, uh, the, the paper from UCLA, size um, exceeding uh, three centimeter um, is, was not a, um, a predictive factor of uh, decreased survival. So I think um, size, um, one size does not fit all <laughs> for a lot of things. And I think three centimeter, I, I think we can expand um, the indication gradually. And I think uh, the, the thing that we, w- we really need is that uh, we don't have uh, molecular profiles or um, de- uh, genetic um, ac- actional uh, mutations that really uh, determines what what happens for the patient. So those are the things we really have to uh, keep on working with. Those are basic scientists, um, um, immunology, um, all sorts of um, gen- uh, genetic analysis. And those are the things that we uh, would uh, really push the envelope for um, in this field. That's my idea. Yeah, completely agree. We are just, uh, we need to conclude. It was amazing talk with you, Taiso. So what is uh, clear that multi-institutional collaborations are needed, not only to reach sufficient patients, but also to clarify optimal timing, protocols for chemotherapy, aiming to develop central algorithms, or even including policies for organ allocation. Uh, Many thanks, Taiso, Ilka, everybody. This episode is sponsored by Heptama Research, an international peer-reviewed, gold-open-access, continuously published online academic journal founded by OAE Publishing, Inc. The journal aims to provide an academic exchange platform focusing on all topics of liver cancer and its related diseases through publications, video abstracts, webinars and interviews. ILCA is today the world's leading and most important multidisciplinary society tackling liver cancer. ILCA